As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on at Club 34-7. Bear Stalk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and the app itself locker room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use uh you can talk to me other fans athletes insiders in real time it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news uh and so so much more you know and, and the live uh, the, the 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 app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season, you know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the, during the preseason, uh, have some watch-alongs, have some of you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders, uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. What's up, guys? Here we are, episode two of our Same Place Opponents, or actually episode two of our opponent preview series and we're still on the same place opponents this time uh our new afc west same place opponents thanks to the 17th game that's been introduced to the nfl schedule here in 2021 the las vegas raiders which means our good friend your boy q myers gets to join us from locked on raiders to help us preview uh the team and looking forward to our week five matchup which if you're anywhere on Twitter or Facebook, if you belong to any of the Facebook groups uh, for the Bears and, and things like that, you know that fans are pretty excited about the Bears going to Vegas, uh, not so much because they want to see the Raiders play, but because it's Vegas, man, and the Bears are in Vegas. They're playing a football game in Vegas, so what a, what a vacation that could be, you know, to, to go out there in Vegas and do what you do when you're in Vegas and see the Bears play in this amazing facility uh, that the Raiders have uh, out there, right in the heart of Las Vegas, too, from what I understand. Um, I, I, the last time I was in Vegas was in 2015, and they were still building it. Like, they had the, the frame of the, of the stadium going up. They had just gotten started. Uh, putting it together you can see it from the uh from the highway so that was back in 2015 it was open in uh they were playing games in it last year in 2020 the the Raiders finally made the move official I think they were like the announcement that they were moving to Vegas was like 2017 I think or right before the 2018 season and they finally moved into Vegas last year in 2020 which of course 
was kind of a bummer considering the pandemic did not allow a single fan in to the facility. Uh, but um, Las Vegas, and you hear me and Q talk about it, along with 31 of the 32 other franchises are cleared for 100% capacity when the doors are ready to open for the preseason and then the corresponding regular season. So, um, you know, there are going to be fans in there tonight or in there this season, I should say. And uh, Q and I also talk about, you know, an interesting aspect of the Raiders being in Las Vegas, which is that, you know, this is a new market for them. And as, as well as and as loyal as Raider fans are and as well as they travel, this is a new home uh, for them. And not everybody that was loving them in Oakland can make, can, you know, move to to Vegas to follow them and everything. So it's going to be up to the Raiders to be successful, to turn Las Vegas into the home of the Raiders, as opposed to, you know, Chicago Southwest or Kansas city West or something like that, uh, where you see just as much red and white as you do silver and black uh, when there are visitors in town. So, uh, you know, Q is very cognizant to, to bring that up that, you know, yes, it's the Raiders and yes, Raider fans are, extremely loyal and travel very well all over the league and, and things like that. But uh, this is a new home for them and they have a fan base to establish all over again in their new home. So that was one of the many interesting things that we talked about during the conversation. Um, you know, I love having Q on the show, looking forward to having him back in October when we're getting ready uh, for this matchup out there uh, in Vegas and um, interested to see, where our two teams are at this point or at that point in the season uh, when we get there. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's open this bad boy up and bring in our friend Q Myers from Locked On Raiders to uh, help us preview the 2020 Las Vegas Raiders. So here we are. It is the uh, opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Same place opponents number two. So let's get to it. Our second same place opponent has us traveling out west to Las Vegas in the desert. And uh, week number five, we'll have the Bears and the Raiders uh, meeting up with each other. And of course, if we're talking Raiders, then we got to be talking to your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. Q, welcome back, man. Hey, man. Appreciate it, man. Always enjoy joining the show. So let's talk about the Raiders, shall we? I mean, that's why we're sure. here. And the Raiders have been one of the more interesting teams during this offseason. Um, so it just, what was the situation? Cause it, like I'm looking at free agent signings, free agent losses, and it basically looks like you overhauled the entire team or Mayock and company overhauled the roster. I mean, what was the reasoning for that? Well, I mean, the offensive line was, you know, basically torn down and then put back together. Yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of high price guys on the offensive line, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown. And, and uh, they moved on from those guys. Trent Brown, he got traded to the Patriots. And right. then uh, Gabe Jackson gets traded to the Seahawks. And, and Rodney Hudson is in the in the desert with the Cardinals now. You right. know? And th they were able to get some good draft back, you know, draft picks back in, in return for those three guys. So that just kind of went into, you know, the, the draft that's, that's passed now. But uh, the, the thinking was these guys get, got paid a lot of money. They were some really, really big dudes. And the offensive line didn't hold it, carry its weight, you know, in, in 2020. They didn't do the job they were supposed to do. 
Trent Brown was the guy that was out most of the season anyway. I mean, he only participated in a couple games, but hmm. uh, Gabe Jackson kind of felt like, okay, his contract was going to really outweigh his his play as of late. And then Roddy Hudson was really the surprise. I thought they'd keep him around, but they're very confident in what they saw in uh, undrafted free agent Andre James that's been with the team now for a little while. So they just turned the keys over and said, hey, okay, this young dude, this, this little bit smaller guy, more athletic dude, we're going to put him at the center spot. Uh, you know, saw what Denzel Good was able to do at the multiple positions in 2020. Matter of fact, he was he was a guy that uh, Tom Cable just had to be like, uh, he was like a Swiss Army knight. Yeah. Whatever kind of, you know, position that they needed him to play, if it was right tackle, if it was right guard, if it was left guard, he filled that void and did a good job. So they gave him a contract extension. He's probably going to be the, the right guard to start off with. And then, uh, you know, went out and drafted Alex Leatherwood in the first round from Alabama. And he's going to supposed to be the right tackle, you know, uh, Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The future uh, the day one starter, and hopefully he's able to hold down that position. But uh, they got a lot of young dudes and uh, and a lot of, like I said, athletic guys on that offensive line. So that's going to be one of the biggest things, the biggest keys in, in the season is can this offensive line gel early? Can they gel and, and be a dominant force again? Because if they can, then it's going to look like the Raiders were geniuses. Now, if it doesn't work out for them, it's going to look like the Raiders, well, it just put a lot of egg on their face. Put sure, it like that. they blew it all up for no reason. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Leatherwood. We'll we'll talk about him because I know that that was kind of a one of the more controversial picks uh, in the first round. We'll get to him in just a second. But you know, it's like I'm looking at the like the like I said, the free agent signings, the free agent losses, and there seemed to be a lot of um, like you subtract and then replace, subtract and then replace. Right. Like you you let go of uh, Tack McKinley, or he goes to Cleveland anyway. You sign Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Casey Hayward. Uh, comes in, uh, LaMarcus Joyner is gone, uh, you bring in Kenyon Drake, you let Devontae Booker go, uh, Willie Sneed comes in, Tyrell Williams goes out, and so on and so forth. These these corresponding moves where it was we subtract and then we fill the hole. We subtract and we fill the hole. Uh, Nick Martin comes in from Houston as well to help out with the offensive line to kind of yeah. replace Rodney Hudson or to back up the kid that you were talking about a moment ago. It just seemed like, you know, like I said, just overhauling the uh, the roster there. And, um, you know, cutting out the old and, and in with the new, uh, you know, and it's only been, what, year three for Mayock or year two, something like that, that's uh, yeah, where he's overhauling everything. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was, you know, the thing about it, like Tyrell Williams, he was a guy that missed all of 2020 due to injury. So he he wasn't really very available. Sure. Uh, he was banged up quite a bit the first year he was with the Raiders. So they moved on from him. I thought they were going to move on from him anyway because they had drafted Brian Edwards out of South Carolina in the third round in 2020. And I thought he was going to be the natural, uh, you know, uh, uh, the natural replacement for, uh, for Tyrell Williams. But Tyrell Williams never got onto the field in 2020. So he kind of made that he kind of made that process a little bit quicker for him uh, because of, you know, health. And then uh, LaMarcus Joyner, he was a, a, a terrible fit. You know, they always wanted him to play, play the slot. And he never he never did a good job at that. You know, he mm. I thought they should have put him at safety, which was his position he played really well with when he was with the Rams. But they didn't. They wanted him to be a slot corner. It just didn't work out. So they just wanted to move on from him uh, for that. So that made sense as well. That was another guy that I just kind of thought was, OK, he's, he's on the outside looking in. He's going to be he's going to be gone sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, uh, Tack McKinley never played for the Raiders. They they claimed him off of waivers, and they just he wasn't healthy, so he was you know basically there in camp, but he never did anything with the team. Like he never got onto the field uh, for a down, and so wow. they just basically they bought out his contract, and then they 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 end up losing him in free agency to Cleveland, like you mentioned. So they're gonna get a a, a, a compensatory pick for it. So basically, they there bought a go. compensatory pick, yeah. in my opinion. Which I mean, you, you know, you can think whatever you want to think about it, but it is what it is. Unique and Gakwe, I'm. I'm I'm excited about the addition of him. Uh, the mm-hmm. Raiders, obviously, ever since Khalil Mack's been gone, have needed as many pass rushers as possible. That's been a sore issue. And, you know, it's one of those situations that just hasn't uh, cleaned itself up yet. And, and nobody's really been able to be that dominant guy. I like what Max Crosby brings to the table. He's got, you know, 17 and a half sacks after a couple of years in the league, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Unique Ngakwe is going to give you eight sacks. You know that he's going to give you eight to ten sacks. That's what he consistently does. Is he good against the run? No. But getting against getting to the quarterback is something that he's he's really good at. So you know, eight to ten sacks is what he's going to give you. Uh, they only gave him a two year deal, so he's really still hungry. Uh, so I'm excited about that as well. He he's got a lot to prove. Still a younger guy, uh, so that's cool. And really, a lot of the free agent signings that they've done, if you look at it, a bunch of them just on the defensive line. You know, because that defense has been so bad. You mentioned Casey Hayward. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that that's a good addition as well. Yeah. It's only a one year deal, and he comes from Gus Bradley's scheme. You know, he was in uh, L. A. with the Chargers. And that's where Gus Bradley, who's the now defensive coordinator for the Raiders, he comes from. And so far in OTAs, everyone has been saying how, how great Casey Hayward's been as far as his leadership, as far as, hey, this is what you do in this scheme. This is how you operate in this scheme. This is what it's meant to do. So I think that they really needed that veteran presence. A lot of people thought about Richard Sherman as being a guy that they can go get as a veteran that knows Gus Bradley really well from his time in Seattle. Right. But Richard Sherman's older. And he's also a guy that's been banged up so much. It's hard to keep him on the field. So I think Casey Hayward is a good bridge guy. Like I said, it's only a one-year deal. So I think he'll work out just fine. And so far, the returns on Casey Hayward has been really, really good. So I'm excited about that. But, yeah, I mean, they just – they had to realize the guys that that weren't cutting it and the guys that weren't, you know, getting the job done. Uh, You mentioned Kenyon Drake. I know a lot of people kind of scratched their head at that. It was a a pretty pretty costly signing. But – I think that he's a guy that's going to compliment Josh Jacobs really, really well. You always have a starter on the field. And on top of that, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full 16 games. Mm-hmm. So this is going to take a little bit of wear and tear off of Jacobs, and he's great. I always want him on the field. But Kenyon Drake can do very uh, similar things as Josh Jacobs. So I think you have a really good one-two punch, similar to what you see in Cleveland with Kareem Hunt and uh, – and, um, and Nick Chubb. So yeah. I, I think that that could really help out. And, of course, we all know John Gruden wants to run the rock. So I think that that's going to be – I think it's it's a good addition. I think all the additions have been good, better. You know, it, one-year deals make guys hungry. They want to go out there and play contract years. Guys usually play better in the contract year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if it works out. 
All I know for a fact is that the defense was terrible in 2020. It has to improve. And they went out and addressed their defense in, in major, major ways. So hopefully by the time training camp rolls around, they could all kind of be on the same page and start really uh, you know, improving that defense. So is that what ended up being kind of like the collapse of the team? Because I was just looking at the, the 2020 schedule. You get that win on the road in Carolina to start. You got that, uh, that really good-looking win on Monday night against New Orleans where everybody was actually more down on the Saints than they were up on the Raiders. After that right. win, I thought that was kind of disrespectful. Uh, actually, was like this is a team that's been building towards something uh, like this, and yet they were pissing all over Breeze and how he's he's done, man. They got waxed by the Raiders on Monday night. It's over, and they end up winning the division and going to the second round of the playoffs. So take that for what you will. You know, you you then you then lost to New England, win against Bu- or lost to Buffalo, and then beat Kansas City in Kansas City. I, th- I was like. That was huge, especially with the way that that game uh, went down, the turnover at the end with the touchdown and everything. So you you go five and three. That's how you start things out. You you lose to the Buccaneers and and things like that after the the bye week. Then you rattle off three in a row, and then it's three and five the rest of the way. And was the defense the catalyst uh, for all of that? I mean, it really was. And, you know, the thing about it is the last couple seasons, the Raiders have been in good position to make a run and, and contend to be a playoff team. Yeah. And at one point, you know, sitting there at six and three, you're thinking, okay, hey, they're, they're going to be in good position, especially with the extra wild card team. Uh, you know, don't expect them to go and win the division because Kansas City's there. But, hey, there's an extra wild card this year. I think that the Raiders can make it. But the, the second half collapses have been there two years in a row now. And uh, I will say the defense was a major reason for it. But at the same time, the whole team just didn't perform well. Like they went to Atlanta and got waxed by the Falcons, and, and they yeah. shouldn't have done that. You know, you, you shouldn't lose that game to Atlanta, and you sure, sure shouldn't get blown out like they did. Just It seemed like they got to a certain point. They they won that game against Kansas City in Kansas City, and then they lost that game at Allegiant Stadium to the Chiefs. Uh, and I felt like that really took a lot of the wind out of their sail. I, I mean, they it felt like that was their Super Bowl and that they were right there, and they actually should have won that game. And, and Patrick Mahomes came back at the end, and, well, a defensive assignment, a blown defensive assignment is what really cost them the game at the end. And it just kind of seemed like the, the wind came out of John Gruden's sails. Uh, the team really, you know, took that one tough. Instead of just saying, hey, that was an L, that's fine. We still have a bunch of games left to go. Uh, don't allow us a, a game to, you know, a loss to beat you twice. And I felt like that loss beat them maybe more than twice, maybe three or four times. You know, yeah. it's just it was almost one of those, oh, here we go again type moments. So that that really hurt them when they lost that game. Uh, at Allegiant Stadium against the Chiefs. And then, you know, later on in the season, they lost a, a, a late game to the Chargers. They lost a late game to the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, that was all the defense as well. I mean, just well, it just seemed like, you know, it, it was almost like a domino effect that if it was for bad luck, they were going to have it, you know. And so that's just oh, for how sure. I mean, that Miami game, the end of it, that was on oh, national God. TV. That game was unreal. The way right. that it finished. I mean, and the, the what I came away with thinking after that game is like the Raiders are snake bit, dude, because here it is when Ryan Fitzpatrick comes into the game, there was right. that play where your defensive lineman damn near rips his face off and yep. it actually ends up being what helped him complete the pass because right. he hung it up there. The receiver had to come back for it. The defenders overran him. So he was wide open essentially because your guy nearly clubbed Ryan Fitzpatrick's head off, which caused them to kind of float the ball over instead of fire it in there. I believe if Fitzpatrick is untouched and he fires it in there, he probably gets it picked off for the coverage that was there before the receiver came back for it. 
I mean, that very well could have happened. You know, that was Arden Key that you're talking about that ripped his uh, his, his helmet off just about. Uh, it was just terrible, undisciplined. Yeah. Uh, Damon Arnett, the defensive back who was on that play. or Yeah, Damon Arnett. He, uh, you know, he, he didn't play the coverage very well either. Uh, that's something that you can't let a guy, especially knowing the clock and knowing what they need, yeah. you can't get, let a guy get behind you, and he did. Uh, like you mentioned, Fitzpatrick threw that ball up there and it floated for a while, but Damon Arnett's got to be in better position to, to not allow anyone behind him and, and, and know that, hey, they ain't got no timeouts. You got to keep them in bounds as well. So not only did they give up a big pass play, but then they got a 15-yard penalty on top yes. of that for the – you know, pulling the face mask off down near. And then on top of that, you're, you're in field goal range like as soon as that play is over. So it's just, you're right. It was like it was unbelievable. I was like, good God. It's like all the things that had to happen to put Miami in that position happened in one play. Yep. It yep. happened in one play. You can't yep. let this guy get open. You can't have a stupid penalty. You can't let him get out of bounds. All three of those things happened on one play and put Miami in a spot to win that game. Yep, and then they won it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, holy it's just, it's one of those things, man. That they they just got to improve. They were look. They were seven and nine. Uh, well, they were four and twelve the first year with Gruden. Then they were seven and nine. Then last year eight and eight. So we'll see what they do this year with the seventeen game season. Would nine of seven have gotten you into the playoffs? Like if you hang on and beat Miami, are you the seventh seed in the in the no, AFC? I, no, because Miami had ten wins and they didn't make the playoffs. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're yeah. right. Okay. But still, I mean, there was like three games that they lost at the end, that, that Chiefs game that I mentioned, the Chargers game, and that Miami. So they should have won all three of those. That's three wins right there. That's 11. So, and, and let's be honest, you, know. you guys probably should have lost that Jets game too. But the Jets oh, were yeah. going to be the yeah. Jets. And then they, you know, you were talking about a blown coverage that cost the Kansas City game. Right. You know, the Jets blew a huge coverage to get it's that true. game winner touchdown uh, there uh, as well. So you likely should have lost like what's – if you lose that one, it's six in a row from your victory over Denver before right. beating Denver again at the end of the year if that Jets game doesn't come through. You lost five of the last seven to right. uh, to finish exactly. up uh, that way. So, yeah, an, an ugly, ugly uh, finish uh, to the year. So Right, which can't happen. That, that just, no, I mean, it cannot. I, no, you know, and, you're right. And when you have a veteran head coach like in John Gruden, you, you have to be better than that. You cannot – you've got to find a way to stop the bleeding. Sure, sure. So let's talk about this this draft now. Um, it's I was a fan of Alex Leatherwood. I was hoping that if the Bears didn't draft um, some, didn't get an O lineman, like if they were hanging on to that that dream of a quarterback in the first round, that maybe Leatherwood would be one of those guys that would fall to us in the second round. And then you know when it comes to the draft, the Raiders are going to Raider man, and they're going to take somebody if they're right. in love with him, somebody that probably shouldn't be as high. You know, I think of like Darius Hayward Bay, who everyone thought was good, but because he ran a four two, Al Davis had to have him, uh, right. kind of thing. Um, you know, Mike Mayock said for years when he was a draft analyst. You know, you can always tell when, when, or you always know that, uh, you know, people always have a different opinion of other players. They always value this guy and that because he kind of always defended people who, who were apparently reaching for somebody, somebody that was ranked number 30 and they took him at 12. Well, you know, the, these, this is how people, they had him ranked on their board. So this is they, the best guy they think for them. And, right. you know, may I kind of put that theory into practice by taking Leatherwood at 17 ahead of a lot of guys, uh, that, you know, many people thought should have gone ahead of him. Yeah, and it was it was pretty wild. I didn't expect that, and it's funny because I like Leatherwood as well, and, yeah. and I like Alabama a lot, so I always watch their games. So I I knew that he was a really good offensive tackle. I didn't think he was a first round guy. That was just me personally, right? I thought he was sure. a second round guy, and I know a lot of Raider fans got pissed off at me when I said, 
why would you take him in the first round? You could take him in the second round. He'd be there in the second round. So uh, a lot of them got mad at me and thought that I was just <laughs> quoting like Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kuyper or whatever. But from a guy who watches a lot of Alabama, I thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was great. I thought he was good. So I said, okay, well, whatever. I mean, it's just my personal opinion. It's sure. fine. The, the, the need for a right tackle was there. If he could be that right tackle, great. If not, you know, and this is something Mike Mayock said right after they drafted him. He's a day one starter at tackle. But if it doesn't work out, they're going to kick him in the guard. Well, if they kick him in the guard, then it, then it wasn't a good pick. You right. know what I mean? Because yeah. not that you don't need a really good right guard, but that's not what you drafted him for. You drafted him to be a right tackle. So whatever works. I mean, whatever happens. The, the saving grace with everything was that they got Trayvon Merrick yeah. in the second round out of TCU. And I thought he was a first-round guy. So it shows you what I know. You know, I thought – he should have been a first-round guy. I thought he would go in the first round. He goes in the second round. The Raiders trade up and get him. So I looked at, well, hell, if you had told me that the Raiders were going to come out of the draft with Merrick and Alex Leatherwood in that order, I'd have been thrilled. I'd have done a backflip. I so think that's... they came out of the draft with Leatherwood and Merrick in that order, so I'm still okay because, well, whatever. Whatever's whatever. Whatever they needed, it's... they went and got. Because I think – so it must have been your tweet that I read that said that. If 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 you had told me we we're getting Tre- Trevin uh, Morrig in the first round and Alex Leatherwood in the second – I'd have been ecstatic, but you right. know the bell, the the board fell the way that it did, and the Raiders did what they did. Uh, you know, so so either way, you can't be unhappy uh, no. with the players that you landed. So it's like you 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 got them both in spots you weren't expecting to take them, and right. yet they ended up going to the to the to where you want them to go in the first place. Exactly, and I and I thought you know going into the draft, I thought they were going to take a tackle in the first round. Uh, you know, actually, that's the first uh, Colton Miller in, in 2018 was the first pick of John Gruden when he returned to the sidelines. Right. And he's the only one that's gotten his fifth year option picked up out of the uh, I mean, and actually got a contract extension on top of that. I mean, you think about it. It had been since Darren McFadden was drafted, I believe, in 2010 <laughs> that the Raiders even gave a, a first round pick another contract. You know what I mean? So that's that that tells you that they're not doing a very good job of drafting. And, yeah. and when they do draft. Uh, they, you know, they don't hold on to him. at least their first round picks. Of course, Derek Carr got a contract extension, but he was a second round pick. So, you know, it's, it's it, I thought they were going to get a tackle. I just didn't think it was going to be Leatherwood. And I didn't think they were going to get him in the first round. But either way, like you said, they got Merrick, they got Leatherwood. Fine. So be it. I'm good with it. Now they just got to go out there and ball out. Right. So let's look at the, uh, the rest of the, uh, the draft. You got Malcolm Kuntz out of uh, Buffalo as Buffalo. a I linebacker. Like I like him a lot. That's a guy, I'll tell you this, man. If there's one guy that, you know, you always get excited about the first-round pick or whatever because sure. it's the first-round pick. But if there's a guy to get excited about, in my opinion, it's Malcolm Coombs. I'm fired up about this guy. I know he comes from Buffalo. I know he's, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be on the field all the time. But what this dude could provide is some pass rush, uh, situational pass rushing. You know what I mean? He'll, so I think, this is just my estimation, I think he's going to get four or five sacks his rookie year. And that's what it's going to be. But he's going to come in on third down. He's going to come in in second and long. He's going to pin his ears back, and he's going to get after the quarterback. And the thing is, it's not just, uh, you know, a bull rush, or it's not just, you know, a blow-by. It's, uh, he's got the spin move. He's got, you know, the, the, the oop-de-oo, the outside-inside move. He's got the, you know, he's got uh, the bull rush. He's got multiple, you know, tools on his belt to get to the quarterback. Now, I mean, obviously he comes from Buffalo, so he's not going up against the best competition, but neither did Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack came from Buffalo, and it worked out okay. Yeah. So I think that I think he'll he'll be fine. Uh, you know, adjusting to the competition, he has a, a little bit of edge to him. He also has a, a chip on his shoulder because everyone thinks that oh my god, he, he drafted a guy from Buffalo, it's going to be a reach again. 
Khalil Mack came from Buffalo. He's a first-round pick. So, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Right. I just don't – and I'm not saying he's going to be Khalil at all. I'm not saying that. I just think four or five sacks when the Raiders need him as much as possible. I think the 49ers made a great example of what you do with defensive linemen. You get a nice, healthy rotation of these guys. So, when push comes to shove, when you're in against Kansas City and it's late in the game, your guys aren't dog-tired. You know, Max Crosby's not dog-tired because he's been out there all day, you have guys that are rotational pieces that can come in and do exactly that. Try to get after the quarterback, make him rush and make a bad decision, and then, boom, you seal a, a victory. So that's that's what the Raiders really need, and I think that's what they're going to show with the, uh, the the guys that they got in free agency and also that, that draft pick in Malcolm Coons right there. And then the pick that immediately followed, probably my favorite name of all the players that I've <laughs> seen drafted, Divine Diablo, a safety yeah. out of Virginia. What's the story? Because... After Leather, Leatherwood, you have four picks after him. Three of them are safeties, or at least they were in college. What, what, what's the story there? Well, I mean, one, the defense needed to be addressed. Sure. I mean, that, that's the thing about it. Merrick is going to be a first a day starter. Uh, you know, he'll be the free safety. Uh, Jonathan Abram will be able to go up in the box and, and be the cam chancellor, and he'll be the Earl Thomas in that old-school Seattle Seahawks, you okay. know, uh, Legion of Boom-type defense. That's kind of the roles that they're going to play. Merrick is a day-one starter. Excited about him. And then, you, you know, you get the other safeties. Divine Diablo is going to actually end up transitioning to a weak side linebacker. Okay. And he's very strong and he's very fast. Now, I don't know how quick he's going to be able to make that transition from being a safety to a linebacker. So I think that you're going to see him really uh, excel on special teams early, or at least that's going to be the expectations is for him to excel on, on the special teams. But at some point, they're going to have him out there as a weak side linebacker. Gus Bradley likes what he sees in him. Uh, Ron Milas likes what he sees in them. You know, these, these guys that they bring in, these coaches that they brought in. So I just know that that defense needs to be overhauled, and that's what they really did. If you think about it, if you look at their drafts, their first pick was the offensive lineman, and their last pick was the offensive lineman, yeah. and everyone else was a defensive guy. So that tells you where they need, needed to address the most. Uh, Hell, you know, aside, from, get, uh, aside from Coons, yep. aside from Coons, everyone else was a DB. Yep, exactly, exactly. And it just lets you know what they need. You know, they need yeah. to address the secondary. They need to get those guys uh, out there. They need to get faster and stronger, and that's exactly what they did. And I do think that the NFL is starting to go uh, away from so many positions, and I say that in air quotes, it's just and more like just get guys, get playmakers on the field. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, like when you were talking about um, uh, Diablo and him maybe being one of those hybrid guys the my first thought was they're gonna have to come up with a name for that position right. like the Dion Buchanan's uh, of yep. the world that was a, yep. a safety in college but is more of an in-the-box linebacker right. with the speed to be in coverage yep. uh, kind of thing they're gonna have to come up with a name for I that because you know, they're not that. linebackers or safeties there's somehow right. both we're gonna have to come up with a new name for it Right, exactly. You know, Jeremy Chin in Carolina, he's a perfect example. Yeah, he plays yeah, yeah. a lot in the box, you know, but he's really a safety. So there you go. Okay, so T- Tyree Gillespie being the other safety from Missouri. Then you had Nate Holmes, a corner from Illinois, and then finish out I Jimmy like him. Nate I, Hobbs. I like him. The, uh, the corner from Illinois, Nate Hobbs, he, he's going to be a – he, I think, is going to be a good one. So far in OTAs, they're, they're saying that he's looking really good. He's going to be a slot corner. Okay. And, and that's been a. I mentioned Lamarcus Joyner earlier. That's been an issue for the Raiders. Lamarcus Joyner was terrible in the slot. They don't really have an answer for that position. And of course, in the AFC West, you've got guys like Travis Kelsey that you know are going to be a, a, a problem. You got Noah Fant that's going to be a problem. You got you know you got dudes. You got 
uh, tight ends that, that need to be covered. You've got running backs that come out of the backfield. I think Nate Hobbs is going to have an opportunity to play early. Uh, they do have Amik Robertson, who they drafted in the fourth round uh, a year ago in 2020, but he hasn't shown that he can step up yet. I think Nate Hobbs has an opportunity to be that slot corner. If not, the other names to watch out for that could potentially be, I just say potentially could be that slot corner, would be Damon Arnett, who was the first-round draft pick a year ago, number 19 overall. He's an outside corner right now, but with Casey Hayward being there, Trayvon Mullen is a starter. If Casey Hayward's able to – if they decide that, hey, he's got to be a starter – I would not be surprised if you see the Raiders kick Damon Arnett inside to the slot corner because that is something he did at Ohio State. All right. So with like 80% of your draft class being defensive backs, did they fill in any other holes with the rookie free agents? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one I'm excited about is Darius Steeles from West Virginia. Uh, you know, he's, he's a small guy on the defensive line, but he's going to kind of play that, you know, that, that nose tackle tight guy you know even though like i said he's a little small but man at west virginia he was a dude he absolutely was a dude so at the very least i mean he'll be a defensive tackle but i mean he was he he was a guy that was a problem for a, a lot of opposing offenses now i say that knowing that he comes from the big 12 and there's not a ton of stud defenders that come out of the big 12 i get it but i for one guy that i, I did see and i really really like with steals i think he's going to be a really good player he has the potential to be a really good player now the thing is the raiders had jonathan hankins in that spot right now defensive tackle slash nose tackle whatever you want to call it uh and and so i think that he won't get he won't be like a day one starter but i think at some point he'll contribute and i think the raiders are going to like what they see from from darius steals yeah the bears got a guy like that i mean not the same position but um a guy that's a little bit undersized but could have like you know, like the, the, the roof, the ceiling for this guy is is unlimited. Like it just keeps raising. Uh, his right. name is Charles Snowden. He's a defensive end or an edge rusher out of uh, Virginia. Uh, yeah. Would probably have been drafted if he didn't weigh like 220. You right. know, he's like right. six foot seven. He's got the long, lanky arms, everything you want in a defensive end. He's just a little light in the ass, which is, uh, you know, I guess something that you can help him with. Get him on the right diet, get him lifting weights and everything. Put those good pounds on him and hope it doesn't cost him any of his uh, – Speed. He was kind of like the highlight of our undrafted rookie free agent class was getting our hands on on this kid and and bringing him in. So there's and and Pace has actually had got a pretty good reputation with the undrafted free agents right. with the day three picks and getting having a lot of success there and and hoping that uh, he can be uh, he can be one of them. So because the it, it's it doesn't matter about how you get on the team. It's it's what you do when you're there, and you see it happen every single year. One of these guys that wasn't even good enough to be one of the first two fifty nine taken ends up being better than half the half the draft class altogether. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Again, you're you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter how you make the team. It's that you make the team, and then once you're there, you do something with it, so you stick around. So yeah, I mean, it, again, some some of the some of the really really good players were undrafted free agents, and they now are, they now have a gold jacket and they have a bus in Canton. So exactly, yeah, the, yeah, guys like Kurt Warner, uh, you know, right. things, you yep. know, guys like that. It just who would have thought from from bagging groceries at at High V, which is a local uh, uh, grocery chain out here, to Super Bowl MVP and all right, of Hall right. of Famer, like first ballot Hall of Famer yep. too. So yep. you never know how it's going to happen because how many times have you seen a good football player and then find out where he went to school and have no idea where the hell that is? <laughs> right, right. Because exactly. like, the first time exactly. that, that I can remember that happening was, you remember the tight end Eric Green for the Steelers? Yep, yep. He went yep. to a school called Liberty. I was like, Liberty? Right, There's right. a school yep. called Liberty? 
you know, yeah. and my dad's like, Hey, doesn't matter where you come from. Just matters what you do when you get there. It's like, okay, I'm sold. Right. You know, I've never right. heard of this place and here, Eric green, one of the top tight ends in the NFL. I'm sold. So, right. Exactly. No, it's again, it, it, it doesn't matter where you go. It's just once you get to the league and once someone finds you and if you got talent, man, they'll find you. So that's yeah. the thing about it. you just got to go do what you do once you get there and show, show that you belong there. <laughs> this episode of the bear Sock underground is brought to you by the locker room app guys. It is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so, so much more. You know, and and the live, uh, the, 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 the app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season, you know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the, during the preseason, uh, have some watch-alongs, have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders, uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get, on the, get in on the fun is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in. Uh, on the fun uh, you know follow me and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every wednesday night 7 p.m central eight o'clock eastern it's the locker room app it's club 34 7 on the locker room app every wednesday at eight be sure and, and join in on the fun you don't want to miss it for sure for sure so let's take a, a look at this uh this schedule you know we have the 17th game and that's that's why you and I are talking, uh, because the Raiders weren't on our schedule before the 17th game kicked in, and then all of a sudden you become a same-place opponent for right. us because you were the second-place finisher in the AFC West uh, last year. And let's see, from the looks of things, you have the NFC East? Um, that's a good so, question. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's the NFC East. see the Cowboys, the Giants, and the AFC oh, yeah, North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the yeah, NFC East and the AFC right. North because you start yeah. off with half the AFC North Monday night at home against the Ravens, then on the road for the Steelers, home for the Dolphins, Monday night football again, week four against the Chargers before uh, everyone's favorite vacation destination, Allegiant Stadium on October 10th when the Bears come to town. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's yeah. gonna, I mean, it's it's the thing about it, man. If you look at the Raiders' schedule, the first seven games, because they have their bye week uh, after the seventh game, right. is is home away. Home, home away. Home, home away. That's home. the Bears' entire schedule, actually. Is it really? Every I single one. I mean, they I even they even, cue, they even held the pattern after the bye week. I, I, keep, I always keep forgetting which it is, but we're either on the road before the bye and then home after it or home for, before the bye and then right. on the road after. So the pattern holds even with the bye week. We don't play back-to-back home games or back-to-back road games throughout the schedule. And, and I don't really know if that's good or bad uh, or anything. Yeah, I don't like it either, to be honest with you. I'm I'm not a fan of it personally, but I don't know if, like, historically, 
teams that go through that either have more success or they right. have less, you know, like for a team that's got a three game homestand uh, or something like that, or for a team that would have a, you know, a three game road uh, stand, you know, like I think a year or two ago, the, the, the Packers had like three games on the road and the bye week in there. So they weren't home for like 30 something days uh, or right. something like that. It's like the NFL likes to throw in those little picadillos every once in a while where it just seems like they just gut the middle of your schedule by giving you a three game homestand with a bye week. Uh, you know, this, the Bears are home away, home away, home away from top to bottom on the schedule. Uh, this year so yeah I did notice that when I was looking at the the Raiders schedule it's home away home away home away before the bye week and then they mix it up a little bit you're at the Giants after the bye back-to-back home game Sunday night football against the Chiefs so I guess that'll be a a rematch because it's in Vegas and then at the home for Cincinnati before Thanksgiving with the Cowboys that'll be fun yeah that'll be fun that that's what I'm excited about uh yeah just especially since uh you know I'm here in Texas and, and the last time that the Raiders played the Cowboys uh, in, in Texas was in 2013. It uh, it was on Thanksgiving as well, mm. and it was a lot of fun to be at that game. And uh, the Raiders lost that game, but it was still a lot of fun to be there and just see Raider Nation show up at Jerry's World. And of course, Raider Nation travels really, really well. Yeah. So Jerry's World is going to be flooded with a bunch of silver and black, and it's going to be awesome. So I'm uh, very excited about that. And hopefully this year the the um, you know the the results are different, and and they don't let the Cowboy fans be so excited after the game. But you know. <laughs> We'll see how it shakes out. Well, we happen to be fans of two fan bases that travel extremely yep. well. Because yep. uh, I, I happen to remember, you know, a buddy of mine actually lives in Houston, made the trip up to Dallas when the Bears played there on, on Monday night, and the Bears actually ended up stomping a mud hole in the Cowboys uh, yep. that night. And basically it was Soldier Field for like the last quarter and a half because Cowboy fans were bailing, and of course the Bear fans were sticking around uh, to watch the, uh, the ass-kicking continue. Uh, and everything, but it's like when the game was over, it was just all bear fans leaving right. the uh, leaving the stadium. It was like you didn't even know that you were in Texas anymore. So, right. and, and, and I know the, the, you the know, Raiders are just the like that. In there in Vegas, that's the thing. Like they, the Raiders have to establish a winning culture there because if they don't, it's going to be the same as it was for the Cowboys for many years when they didn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't fill it up with Cowboy fans. It would be like, hey, this is a brand new stadium in Dallas, and my favorite team's playing there. Let's go see it, you yeah. know. And so, Steeler fans would be there in, in in droves, and like you said, Bears fans would be there, Packers fans. There would be so many of the other fans. Even in 2013, when I went to the Raider game. The Raiders fans were were out, you know, was outnumbering the Cowboy fans. Well, you think that that wouldn't be like that in Vegas? Like right. you said, everyone, you know, all, all the Bears fans were like, hell, we want to go to Vegas to see that game. If the Raiders don't establish a winning culture very early with the Legion Stadium, it's going to be, you know, whatever team you're playing south. It's going to be like their, you know, their destination <laughs> or west or whatever, yeah. you know, their destination. And that's going to be a problem. So the Raiders need to make sure that they get into the season and really st- uh, establish that, like I said, winning culture, or they can see the fan base, the opposite fan base, start taking over that stadium. Yeah, because as loyal as, as Raider fans are, you are in a new location. Yep. You have a brand new home. So there are new people to win over to, to fill that unbelievable looking stadium, man. I mean, right. even, even Vegas, from the I mean, outside, Vegas it's gorgeous. City, yeah. You know? so. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that'll be like things like, you know, hotels for high rollers that just give tickets yep. away as opposed yep. to having, you know, season ticket holders. You'll be having to paper the place to fill it up. Right, exactly. So, uh, again, I mean, I think the first couple of years, because, you know, the, the place is sold out right now, mm-hmm. it'll definitely be, you know, a lot of Raider Nation there. But 
I'll tell you, man. And, and there's going to be fans that are going to put tickets up for sale. And there's going to be someone like a Bears fan say, oh, hey, <laughs> let's go to this game in October and check out the stadium and see our favorite team. Oh, and by the way, we'll spend the weekend in Vegas. I mean, that's going to be something. That's going to be a conversation that every team that their fan base, if they're going to Legion Stadium, that's what they're going to be talking about. Which I think is also kind of the strategy behind the NFL asking them or letting them move to Vegas oh, is that course, Vegas is such a tourist spot that, you know, having an empty stadium in Vegas would almost seem impossible, right. uh, you know, with all the tourists and, you know, it's like, like I said, the hotels and, and resorts and everything out there are going to be all over getting their hands on tickets to give away to their guests or, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I don't think filling the place up will be much of a, much of a problem because it's such a tourist destination and is going to be a huge attraction uh, out there in Vegas. But like you said, will it be, Chicago Southwest or will it be Vegas home of the right. Raiders you know right. and there are a few ban- few bear fans scattered uh here and there but this is the new black hole I mean the, the literally the place is black from the outside <laughs> right. it is black so yep. it, it couldn't be not more of a more Raider stadium that I've ever seen right. just from the outside and you know will it be the home of the Raiders or will it be hey it's it's Chicago Southwest or Kansas City right. Southwest or or something like that that will be um you know time will tell on that and is it up up to the Raiders to determine what it's how that's going to fall exactly that that's the thing it's it's I mean they're, they're in total control of that. If they go out there and they put a winning product out there and they continue to win, like I said, the first couple of years, it's already sold out. So, I mean, there's going to be a ton of Raiders fans there. But they ain't going to be there if if they're not winning. And then all of a sudden it's going to, like you said, tourists are going to start taking over the place. So you don't want that to happen. You don't want to end up being a, uh, you know, one of the uh, an attraction on the Vegas Strip. You don't want to be that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be another blue man group in Vegas. Right. You want right. to be the Raiders, exactly. goddammit. So. Exactly. For sure. You know, uh, you posted something very interesting or you retweeted a very interesting photo yesterday or the day before. I think it was the day before. And uh, it, uh, it, it, it inspired me that if I ever have the privilege of, of heading out to Vegas and, and maybe going to see the Raiders play or maybe the Bears are back in town again to Uber to the stadium because <laughs> parking would cost half my paycheck apparently to, to go to Allegiant Stadium. It was ridiculous the prices that were on that board. Yeah, it was expensive, but you know the thing about it. What I've learned, especially going up to uh, going up to Cowboy Stadium or uh, Jerry's World, AT and T Stadium. Uh, all, I mean, all the stadiums are expensive now. Sure, I mean, you know, it, sure. It just it just is, you know. And so the 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 parking lot is not huge there at Allegiant Stadium. So if you pay a hundred dollars, which is the the top dollar for the a parking spot, yeah. you're literally parking like right outside the stadium. Like yeah, it's, it's right there. You're right up it's almost like in, in a parking spot in front of your house, you know, it's like yeah. parking in the driveway. So, um, you know, it's not ideal, obviously, you know, four or five blocks away, it's still $45. It's not ideal, <laughs> but it's kind of, it's kind of the, the lay of the land. It's what happens when you have a new stadium. It's what happens when you got to, you know, someone's got to flip the bill for it. And, sure. and they didn't, they didn't have any of that last year. So they're going to make up. For oh, for year, sure. So. You know, that you have to factor, uh, that in, and also you got to, you know, got to earn back that 3 billion or whatever it costs to build that place somehow, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, like like I got buddies there uh, that work at the radio stations there in Vegas. They're like, "Hey, Q. I mean, look, the thing didn't pay for itself. It's got to be paid somehow." And I was right. like, "Yeah, you're right. You know, so you got hotel rooms that are are more expensive. You got a lot of things that are going to cost a lot of money. The tickets are going to cost a lot of money. Like the, the the stadium didn't bill itself. It's not for free. Right. You know, someone had to flip the bill, so it, it got flipped. Now now it's time to make some make some money off of it. Yeah, like I I can't imagine what it's going to cost to park at SoFi." 
you know, the most expensive stadium ever built, $5 billion mm-hmm. to, to construct that place. And it's beautiful, just like uh, like the right. like Allegiant in, in Vegas. It is an actual, you know, marvel of, of, of architecture and, and everything. Right. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be cheap to go there for no. anything, for tickets, to concessions, cheap. merchandise, parking, you name it. You're going to pay right. through the nose for the experience, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I wish that teams would do more like the Falcons do and Arthur oh, Blake does, absolutely. where at least the concessions yeah. are cheap, you know, but they don't. Yeah, like <laughs> legit, like a, it's a $2 hot dog in Atlanta. I'll have 10 thank you very much. Right, exactly. Because if I, I mean, went to Chicago, yeah, 20 bucks might get me three hot dogs. Maybe it will get me right. three. But in Atlanta, exactly. you could feed the whole family for 20 bucks. Exactly. Yeah, I can dig that for sure. All right, so looking here at the end of the schedule, like I said, that after the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys, you have your mini-bye week, and you come home for the Washington football team. I cannot wait until they actually name that team again. Um, at Kansas City. And then you're at Cleveland, maybe on Saturday, maybe on Sunday. It was one, What is the story with those games? Like every now and then there's that game out there. We know what week they're going to play, but we have no idea what day of the right. week they're well, going to play. That's when they start putting the games on Saturdays and everything. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think that they have the it's kind of like the flex uh, uh, opportunity to do that. And so they're going to they're going to determine it as the season goes when they're going to actually play that game. But I mean, that's going to be in Cleveland. It's late in the season. So, you know, it's going to be cold. And the Raiders right. played in that in that stadium uh, a year ago and it was cold. It was it wasn't snowing and it wasn't raining, but it was like a combination of the both. It was gross. And they were able to come out of there with a victory. But, man, it was not pretty. Wasn't that like the sixteen to six game where like nobody scored yes, touchdowns or yes, something like that? Yes, and it was it was so ugly. I mean, like I said, it wasn't snow, it wasn't rain, it wasn't sleet. It was like it was almost a combination of everything. It was just gross, but <laughs> they found a way to get it done. Nice, nice. Okay, and then we finish up home with the home with the Broncos at Indianapolis. That'll be an interesting game, and yeah. then home for the LA Chargers to close it out because, of course, even with the seventeenth game, we still have to end in a divisional. Uh, match yeah, up, why not? So, right? And yeah. Hopefully, it means something. You know, that's that's the goal. That's what the NFL wants Amen. to do. Yeah, is hoping that that means something, and I'm hoping that that game means something. Last year, the last game of the season meant that the Raiders could possibly go 500, and they did. They they beat Denver. Uh, it's come <laughs> from behind victory. Uh, went for a two point conversion, picked it up, so they won the game. But right. hopefully, this year when they end the season in, in that divisional game against the Chargers, it's like okay, this is going to solidify a wild card spot, or hell, this is going to win the division. You know what I mean? Hopefully, yeah. that's what the conversation is, but. You got 17 weeks to get it done. Right. And, and you know, I, I would think that, uh, you know, just based on 2020 finishes and stuff, you've kind of got a mixture here of one of the best divisions in football last year and the absolute worst division in football uh, last year. And the NFC East being the worst and uh, the AFC North that sent three teams to the playoffs last year being one of the uh, – one of the best on the schedule with the defending yep. two-time conference champions. And you got, you know, and just those AFC West rivalries with the Chargers. You split the series with the Chargers uh, last year. You, 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 you have your battles with the Broncos year in and year out, despite how good or bad they may be. The AFC West is a tough division uh, to go through year in and year out, despite, regardless of how each team finishes, they're really good at beating the hell out of each other. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens in those rivalry games, and that's exactly what it is. Like you said, split with the Chargers, split with the Chiefs, uh, and then swept the Broncos. But either yeah. way, man, those are slobber knockers, I like to call them. You know, those are <laughs> those are knockdown drag, drag outs. Outs, you know, yeah. Just beat the hell out of each other, like you said. And, 
and uh, may the best man win at the end or the last man standing wins. And, and that's usually how those games go. And so even when the records are terrible, uh, everyone gets up for those games and everyone gets excited, including the fans. And uh, they usually help determine the game as well. Obviously, last season, it didn't at all. This season, it'll be exciting to see uh, fans back in the stands at 100% capacity, which yeah. 31 out of 32 teams so far have been cleared for that. Only the Colts are the, the last of the Mohicans that are waiting to get their clearance. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm sure that that's going to happen, too. But either way you look at it, man, it'll be interesting to see how it how the games are affected once fans get back in the stands. And I think that's more of an Indianapolis thing because my yeah. dad lives in uh, northwestern Indiana, still in the quote unquote Chicagoland area, but right. in the state of Indiana and in his area, the mass mandates are gone. You know, there's no restrictions on, uh, you know, going in any place and, and, and things like that. So I think maybe it's like the like Indianapolis government itself that's kind of hanging on to the clearance uh for now but yeah i mean they just opened up wrigley field and and comiskey or whatever they're calling comiskey in the south side these days uh i have no idea what the stadium is the white Sox playing but uh you know wrigley field is 100 percent like starting next weekend or like the 11th it'll be 100 percent, or they're selling tickets to you know to have a, a wide open or a fully packed uh wrigley field which and then like you said 31 of the 32 teams uh in the league will be allowed to fill their stadiums uh, as well, which means we're probably going to have a preseason game one sellout for the debut of Justin Fields uh, yeah. when the Bears play the Dolphins the first weekend of the uh, preseason. So here's yep. a question. Maybe you can answer this for me because I've always kind of wondered something that I noticed when the schedule came out uh, a couple weeks ago or almost a month ago now, actually. But the break between the last preseason game and the first game of the season is not one week, it's two this year. Right. And well, I was wondering if you knew, because I haven't been able to find anything, how the teams are going to use that. Are they going to make final cuts right away and then use that two-week break to fill up the roster, make waiver wire pickups, or do the, the players get like an extra week in practice to make the team after the final preseason game? I haven't heard a word about how they're going to break that down. Yeah, the, the breakdowns go. I mean, remember a year ago, it was it went from the eighty man roster to the fifty three man roster. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. This time it's going to go uh, ninety man to eighty five to eighty to fifty three. You know what I mean? Okay. So they're going to break it down like that. And yeah, the final the final cuts are going to happen twelve days before the season starts. Right. So you know, then then after that, you know, after they make the final cuts, then you go through the waiver wire and say, okay, this guy's out there available. Maybe I'll make this move and go get him. But yeah, because they don't have that fourth preseason game, they have that extra week off. So uh, it's going to be just preparation and filling out the roster and getting ready for week one. I think it'll be pretty cool. We don't, yeah. we don't need to see four preseason games. No. So three preseason games are fine with me. And then we're ready to rock and roll. Just going to have a little bit extra time to wait. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm wondering how that will impact the start of the season because yeah. last year, you know, I was actually surprised at how good some of the football was, you know, right. early on in the season, but there was a lot of football taking place where it's like, yeah, it's obvious these guys didn't have, yeah, the, these the guys didn't get much time year, together. Yeah. Right. The first month last year was the preseason base. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. And if you came out ahead, great. If not, then meh, right. you got 12 games left. So and you know what? It's still probably going to be the same way because I mean, most of the starters don't play in the preseason anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that to be honest with you. I was like, I understand why they're doing it or why the coaches are pulling these guys and hanging on to them and things like that. But then the season starts and they're like, yeah, looks like he could have used some preseason reps, huh? Mm -hmm. You know, 
It happens all the time. But uh, Yeah, it does. But well, then again, a guy gets injured in preseason, you're like, why is he playing? Yeah. So, <laughs> so they can't know. win, you know what I mean? They can't exactly. win as far as the fan base. It's like, what was he doing out there anyway? It's the stinking preseason. Right. He doesn't exactly. need those reps. Then yep. he comes out and he's rusty. He's like, why the hell didn't he play in the preseason? Obviously, yep. he's rusty. So, exactly. yeah. You can't win. You can't win. So what are you looking at when you, when you look at the schedule? Because like I said, you got one of the best divisions of football, the AFC North, and one of the worst in the, a, in the NFC East on the schedule, along with your AFC East, uh, or excuse me, AFC West uh, brethren. When the schedule came out and you were going up, up and down the list, what were the numbers looking like? Well, I mean, I, I kind of I hate always doing predictions because, yeah, you know, you never know, especially going through training camp and all that. You never know how it's going to shake out, but – I looked at it like this. This is the way I broke it down on the podcast. I said, the Raiders need to find 11 wins. Sure. I mean, simple. They need to find 11 wins. I mean, because you haven't gone to the playoffs yet under John Gruden. It's going into year four. He's got to finish this season off with a way to find the way to get into the, the playoffs. And I think that's 11 wins. Now, I looked at it, and I kind of, in my head, went through, okay, I think this could be a win. This could be a loss. This could be, you know, what, what we always do, even though it never ends up shaking out that way. Yeah. And I found, like, 10. You know what I mean? So okay. I said, okay, I could see where they can get 10 wins. But I also know that at 17 games, they need to find that 11th win. So they've got to find a way to go anywhere from, I would say, 10-7 and 7 to 11-6 and 6 and and hope that that's enough to get them into the playoffs. I'm not guaranteeing that's going to get them in the playoffs, but if they miss the playoffs at 11-6, and 6, I can live with that. If sure. they end up, you know, 9-8. and, and what would it be? 9-8, eight, nine nine uh, yeah. 9-7, yeah. 9-8. And if, if they end up doing something like that, I'll say, okay, there's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, they've got to find a way to at least challenge for the playoffs if you want to call this a successful season. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So let me ask you this then. With with Gruden and that 10-year contract, you're not even halfway through it at this point. Right. If he continues to basically run in place at 7-9, and 8-8, 9-8, 8-9, whatever it is, do the Raiders have an opt-out clause so they don't have to pay Gruden for the next half decade? While he's, you know, I, you know, goes back to the Monday Night Football booth or whatever? I'm assuming that they do. I mean, nobody's really ever clarified. I've always heard rumors that there's a there's an out in the contract if they like a buyout kind of thing. From them. I just know that Mark Davis is a huge John Gruden fan. Yeah. And I don't see him moving on from Gruden until Gruden wants to move on from the team. Right. You know what I mean? I just I just don't see it happening. I know a lot of people are like, oh, if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, he's going to be on the hot seat. I don't believe that. I think that, you know, if anything, they would look at Mike Mayock and say, okay, we got to make, you know, like they'd find a scapegoat. Sure. It won't be, it won't be John Gruden. I'm not saying that John Gruden doesn't need to go if, if he doesn't make the playoffs, but I just don't think that Mark Davis would, would pull the trigger on that. Um, regardless, I, I don't think that he'd be willing to eat a contract and then have to hire another coach as well. Uh, so I'm su- I'm assuming good business would say that there's an opt out, but I don't know that for a fact. So I don't want to, I don't want to act like I do. Right. An opt out or maybe at least a, a buyout. Like you right. got you got four exactly. years left on the contract. I'll give you two of them right now if you go. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's smart business. And, yeah, and Mark Davis, he was a lawyer. You know, he. I mean, hell, he, he negotiated Marcus Allen's contract against Al Davis. So I mean, he knows. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like he knows what he's doing as far as, as as that goes. And I'm sure that the people that matter, the front office people that write up all these contracts and deals, I'm sure that they protected themselves somehow. We just don't know exactly how it was. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah, because I I was kind of wondering uh, about that. I mean, in in today's uh, NFL, you know, patience is not a virtue. 
uh, no. in today's NFL. We want results. We want them now. I don't yep. care if you walked into a 2-14 and 14 franchise. We want to be back in the playoffs three years at the latest. You know, that's, that's, right. those are the results that owners are looking for these days because, unfortunately, somebody pulls that off pretty much every single year. They go from, you know, 6-10 and 10 to 11-5, and five, or I guess in this case 12-5, and 11-6, and six, and make the playoffs from being one of the worst teams in the league the year before. If they can do it, why can't we uh, kind of right. thing? And if you can't, then I'll find someone who can uh, and everything like that. I mean, you see with coaches, coach, coaching changes and, and GM swaps and bringing in new regimes year in and year out kind of thing, like the, the owners have no patience for that kind of thing, and they're going to bring folks in, and then here you have – the Raiders, uh, who signed Gruden to a 10-year, $100 million contract, and this is year four, and we still haven't gotten the results. We just basically overhauled the roster to prepare it for 2021. You know, we're making the moves that we deem necessary to, to be successful, and yet we're not having success. So what needs to change? And those moves usually start at the top, whether it be Mayock and Gruden or just Mayock and, and things like that. You, you wonder... Um, you know, the Raiders had to do something to give themselves some kind of protection, especially since Gruden was, what, 10 years plus out of the league before he came back. I mean, it was longer than that, wasn't it? Like, was uh, it about yeah, 10 years? I think it was about 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, what if he comes back and he just doesn't have it with today's players? You know, that kind of thing. We have to have some kind of protection, even though we're giving him this landmark deal that if he doesn't make it to the end of this contract, that we're not paying him to, to sit at home and watch TV for $10 million a year. Uh, right. You know, if it doesn't work out here. So like you said, Al Day or um, first name, Mark, thank you, Mark, Mark Davis, <laughs> you know, as a lawyer. So he's probably a little bit more shrewd on the business side of things, probably got himself a, a clause or some kind of protection in there if it doesn't uh, work out. So maybe it'll cost them something to lose Gruden, but not as much as it would in regular circumstances where you just pay the guy to stay home. Right, exactly. And I mean, honestly, uh, in his world, he doesn't have to worry about it because Gruden gets things turned around and, and figures out how to get to the playoffs. And, you know, and the thing about it is they needed to get a guy and have a long-term deal with them because if you go through the Raiders coaches and the history of the coaches, there's no continuity there. It None. hasn't been. Yeah. And that was the thing with Derek Carr. Uh, he had had, you know, so many different head coaches and so many different offensive coordinators. And now he's had the same head coach and the same uh, offensive coordinator for now going on four years. And that's you know, and he's only been in the league eight years. So, I mean, think about that. All these different times that he had to have changes and all these other changes. You can't win like that. You've got to have some kind of continuity. Now, of course, you've got to win. You, you know, you just can't yeah. be the same coach and lose all the time. But at the same time, you do have to keep some continuity in the in the front office and, and the sideline and everything. I think that's important. So, uh, that's what they were going for. Now, let's just see if it pays off for them. Yeah, preach to the choir on that one, brother, because one of those things that will always kind of – Meyer, the career of Jay Cutler and his time in Chicago, as good as he could be, as great as he could be sometimes. He was in Chicago nine years and had seven offensive coordinators. Right. You know, exactly. it's like the reason that he would bounce around and the fact that he could find success with all these different offenses that he played in, I feel is, is, a, is a key, you know, a tip of the cap to him and what he could do in his natural ability as a, a quarterback and, you know, can, and, and his football IQ uh, and everything. It's just that we, we never really had the weapons for him out there, and, and we also could not get this revolving door of play callers to settle down 
for him. He was always taking, you know, learning a new playbook each and every offseason for the majority of his career in Chicago. So I can definitely feel like Derek Carr has been in the same system for the last four years and look at what his career has done the last four years. Two years ago, they were talking about maybe trading him, and now they wouldn't dream of parting with him. Right, exactly. And that's always a conversation piece that that's the Raider Nation has every year is are they going to move on from Derek Carr, got to move on from him, got to get a new quarterback. And, you know, I, th- I think at some point that they probably do find another guy. But at the same time, I mean, they're, they're happy with what they're seeing. They're happy with the progress. It's not like he's not getting better. He's continuing to get better each and every year under, Carr, under John Gruden. So uh, with me, the, the biggest thing with him is that I just think that he – well, he did last year. He used his legs a lot more than he, did, he has the previous years, which was great. Uh, now he's just got to have ball security. His ball security and, and not interceptions. He does a good job of protecting the ball when it comes to interceptions. But uh, getting strip sacked in the in the pocket, man, th- those are those are killers. And that happened uh, quite a bit against Atlanta Falcons, and, and that led to that the, the that dusting, that blowout that Atlanta had over the Raiders in 2020. You just can't do that. You got to be able yeah. to hold on to the rock and, and not get strip sacked. Uh, if you're going to get sacked, that's one thing. But a strip sack is just a killer. So uh, he, he's good. that's that's an area for him to work on this year and, and see if he continues to improve. But he only has a couple years left on his deal, so we'll see what the Raiders do. Do they extend him? Uh, you know, are they looking to to replace him at some point? Who knows? But I know that you know he, he's he's the guy for 2021 for sure. And then the conversation will come back up after the season, uh, depending on if they if they sign him to an extension or not. Right. Yeah. Because right now, as far as quarterbacks go, you've got him at bargain basement pricing. Uh, for right. the moment, even yeah. at like what twenty two, twenty three million a season, which is a ton of money, it's nothing right. compared to the forty million Dak Prescott just got, the forty five right. million a year Mahomes is going to get when his contract kicks in, or God knows what the Ravens are going to give uh, Lamar Jackson when they finally sign him uh, to his extension. Twenty two million dollars for a uh, a Pro Bowl level quarterback right now is pennies on the dollar compared to what everyone else is paying for their top flight quarterback. So yeah, I'd I'd ride. Uh, I'd ride car into the ground on that one at, at that price for sure. Right. Exactly. So yeah, he's, he's, he's with contract through uh, the 2022 season. So uh, we'll see what they do. There's been conversations about them extending them, but he hasn't been extended yet. So it, it's all conversation. It's all speculation. So it actually happens. All right. Last thing before I uh, let you go, I was wondering if you had seen the episode of uh, dark side of football that they focused on the Raiders. Uh, no, I did not see that. Yeah, it's on uh, it's on Vice, so it's one of those you know like random uh, channels. Uh, I only heard of it because they have a series called The Dark Side of Wrestling that yeah. I watch, and that's kind of like their Thursday night programming. Is the they have the dark side of wrestling where they tell a, a story about wrestling maybe you didn't know of or you didn't know the broad strokes uh, of it or the details, and they kind of dig deep on something that happened in wrestling, a tragedy or you know like this wrestler's life was messed up, even though in front of the cameras he looked he was on top of the world behind the cameras he was a drug addict and a pedophile or something crazy right. like that, and then after that is like this is the first season for the dark side of football, and last week was their episode where they talked about the Raiders. They focused a lot on Bill Romanowski because he was a savage when he played uh, yeah. football, and he ended his career, I think, in, in Oakland with the, uh, yeah. with the Raiders uh, and everything yeah. and just how he was uh, anything goes uh, kind of player. As long as he didn't get flagged for it, he was going to do it uh, kind of thing, and that was the whole anything to win, you know, just win baby thing with the uh, – with the Raiders, the pursuit of excellence and, and whatnot uh, was an interesting uh, episode. If you can find it online, I'd recommend it 100%. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check it out. Romanowski was my guy, man. I, I see him. I run into him at the Super Bowl all the time, and 
he's he's a he's a ball of energy, man. He's he's kind of wild and crazy, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so he's great on the radio. So I always I always uh, seek him out when I'm out there at the uh, at the Super Bowl on Radio Row and. He's a he's a he's a fun guy to talk to. That's for damn sure. Oh, I bet because even in you know the while he was doing the interview, I think he retired in '03 or '04, something like that. So we're 16, 17 remo- years removed. And I was like, this guy could play today. He's still right. so intense, just answering the questions and talking about you know what he was doing to stay on the field and the mentality that he had uh, back then to just be the best. Like he was completely as driven as a guy that you've ever seen. You know, so so go back and watch that uh, for sure. It's like, you, you know, you'd be like, dude, Romanowski was an animal, an absolute right. animal. It's like, and I knew of Bill Romanowski, and I knew the things that he did. Of course, he made headlines when he was in Denver, and he spit in J.J. Stokes' face. They talk about yeah. that uh, for a little bit, and, and, you know, all the other things that, that he, he did. He broke a dude's jaw. He, he did. In, in yeah. Camp. Yeah. Tight yeah. end. Yeah. Broke his eye. Yeah, busted his eye. They talk about that yeah. as well. The guy never played it down after that. Nope. You know, basically Romanowski had to buy him a house to get him to, you know, to avoid going to prison or whatever uh, for what he did to that poor kid. It's like you just picked the wrong dude, man. You know, he's like you almost don't feel sorry for him. It's like you that's the guy you pick. He's the one, you know, as a rookie, that's the veteran you pick a fight with. You deserve what you get uh, and everything. Nobody told you about Bill Romanowski, dude. You need to watch TV, man. What's the matter with you? Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, but it was it was really interesting. Talked about you know the early days of the Raiders, and then Al Davis took over. He was a coach, and then he got the ownership share, and you know his battles with the league and going back and forth from L.A. to Oakland and back again, and uh, and things like that. It's kind of you know blanketed around the story of Bill Romanowski and how he basically epitomized what it was to be a Raider with his you know anything to win kind of attitude. So right, exactly. Yeah, That's definitely. What it's all about the, I'll tell you what. The Raiders need a couple guys like that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, That's that was need. yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons I was excited that the Bears landed Tevin Jenkins because yeah. you know the highlights that I saw on him, and then of course the cherry on top being that highlight of him uh, drive blocking someone into people on the sideline. Did right. you see that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. unreal, yeah, man. I, I remember him when he was at Oklahoma State. Man, he was sure. a player. I've watched him a lot. So, you know, and this was the guy I wanted the Bears to take at 20 uh, when I wanted them to stand firm and build the team instead of going to get the quarterback because I was right. more paranoid about the price the Bears were going to pay to get the quarterback than I was for them to actually get one. Right. Um, but well, they I, got a good one, I think, oh, dude, so we'll see. You have no idea, man. I am so excited. <laughs> I am beside myself. I won't, I won't trouble my listeners with the, the telling of that story again, but it's just, oh, man, just unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, when we got Jenkins, I was like, okay, this is a guy that seems to have an extreme problem with anyone not wearing his uniform. So right. this is the guy that I want on my team. So, and, and we could use a nasty offensive lineman up front. Cause that was one of the criticisms that people have had about the bears is like good or not. They're not very physical. They're not very tough. So you really couldn't see them going the distance because they didn't, you know, didn't really have it in them to, to, to make those, to make the runs and win the tough games and things like that. I'm hoping that a guy like Tevin Jenkins up front will, Help change that a bit. So. Yeah, Tevin Jenkins opening up some holes for uh, David Montgomery. I mean, man, I mean, you, you got, got got a little something something going there right there. I like Montgomery a lot. Young yeah, Iowa State man, he was a hell of a player. I'm a huge fan, huge huge fan. So, anyway, Q man, thanks for uh, taking a chunk out of your day for me to to help us out and with this uh, previewing the the Raiders and getting this opponent preview series off in uh, 
off and running. Uh, let everybody know where we can uh, get in touch with you. Yeah, I mean, you can always uh, hit me up on Twitter, man. That's really all I do. Uh, at your boy Q254. Uh, I put up an episode of the show uh, every day, Locked On Raiders podcast. I also do Locked On Bets. So if anyone's a gambler and they want to get some tips on gambling, uh, Locked On Bets, my guy Lee Sterling, he, he provides all the tips. All I do is throw some softballs up to him, and he makes it happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so check that out. Of course, everything, like I said, is always on my Twitter account, at your boy Q254. Awesome. So Q Myers, Locked On Raiders. Hit him up on uh, Twitter. Check out the show if you want to hear some good stuff. Thanks always, man. Uh, I'd love to have you back. And uh, like I said, week five or weeks, was it five or six? Five? Uh, I believe it's five. Five. So week five, we'll have you on to preview uh, that one and, uh, you know, find out how many tourists are heading to Vegas to to watch the Bears and the Raiders butt heads. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Appreciate you. All right. Once again, want to thank Q Myers, uh, your boy Q, for for coming on the show, for, for taking a little bit of time out of his Saturday to uh, to hang out with me and 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 do these opponent preview uh, shows. Uh, you know, as as a um, as a football fan, I've said this many times before. As a football fan, I hate this time of year that that lull between the the draft and the starter training camp. As I know, there's OTAs and June first cuts and stuff like that, but it's just it's a minor blip on the radar as far as something to look forward to. There just isn't anything between the draft and the start of training camp, and even the start of training camp isn't all that excited, all that exciting until August rolls around and they start playing exhibition games, a preseason and stuff. So. Um, but as a podcaster, this is my absolute favorite time uh, of year because it allows me to to do these shows, to stay busy, to work my way through the summer. Of course, I, I've never been a fan of summer. I don't like hot weather and things like that. I've never been a fan, especially since I grew up in the uh, and still live in, in the Midwest where humidity is a huge factor in, in how much you enjoy or do not enjoy uh, the summer temperatures. It's like 85 degrees is is plenty warm, but then throw 85 degrees with 80% humidity and it, you want to die. It's awful. So, and then, and I'm not even talking about what it feels like when it's in the nineties or God forbid cracks into the one hundreds and things like that. But this, this allows me to stay indoors with my AC, uh, talk to some fans that have a shared passion uh, for their teams and they can kind of school us on what's been going on with their squads and, and letting us know what the Bears are getting themselves into when they meet up with these teams as the schedule uh, rolls along. So, and, and Q's one of those guys. We had him on a few years ago for the first time when we played the Raiders back in 2019. And we've had him on the show a few times since then. I've always enjoyed talking to him, and that's what makes this uh, so much fun. So, uh, anyway, want to thank him for being on the show. Be sure to check out Locked On Raiders if you're interested to see what's going on uh, over there, or how the other half lives, uh, if you will. And follow him on Twitter uh, and reach out to him. He's very responsive. If you got a question for him, he'll he'll get you back. So, uh, anyway, we got one more same place opponent episode with our good friend Ren Dax from the Pewter Cast, and that one's already uh, in the can. That will be released on Thursday. So be on be on the lookout for that. And then once we're done there, we start with the NFC West. And up first, the last place finisher, San Francisco 49ers, more so because they suffered more injuries than any football team in NFL history. 
And they did it pretty much all in one game. But, uh, you know, they've got one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. They just made a huge uh, trade to move up to three to get their quarterback of the future uh, in Trey Lance. And uh, everyone's talking about how he's in the best position to succeed right away because he is surrounded by one of the best rosters in the NFL that was ravaged by injuries a year ago. Everybody really expects the 49ers to have a bounce back year. Uh, after the curse of the super, after the Super Bowl lo- loser curse, pretty much ate them alive uh, in 2020. And our good friend Oscar Aparicio from Better Rivals is going to be joining us uh, once again to help us preview those 49ers. Then we move on to the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks to wrap up the NFC West before moving on to our AFC North uh, opponent previews and uh, see if the Bears can. Uh, you know, defend their crown as the, the AFC North champion. They they swept the division in 2013 and again in 2017. See if they can do it again uh, in 2021. That would be a big help. So, um, like I said, we we're the we got the 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 Buccaneers up next. Then we start with the NFC West and moving through it. Uh, and as we move it through, we're getting closer and closer to training camp and the preseason and the start of the 2021 regular season. So. Stick with me. I'll get you through the summer and, uh, you know, just uh, clawing our way through it one day and one podcast at a time. So that's going to do it, guys. Come back on Thursday when me and Ren will break down the 2021 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending world champions. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.